Glad I got to start today's show talking about the uh, the curse of Bobby Lane on the lines. It's only an hour, Jeff. How Jordan Scruggs, Jordan. I got a couple of things. We're going to be pretty much all Texas Junior Day because this is a massive day tomorrow. I got a couple things I want to get out of the way, uh, and then I'll pretty much get out of Jordan's way for the most part while we talk Junior Day today. So. Um, you heard Bucky and BK talking about it this morning. Unless you've been living under a rock, Texas gets Amari Nyblack out of the portal. Seven transfers now for Texas. You've got Isaiah Bond, Amari Nyblack, and Kendrick Blackshire coming over from Alabama. Texas with the number two overall class in the country, according to 24-7 Sports. Our overall classes are transfers and high school recruits combined. Jordan, I want to get into some historical data for you with this recruiting class. I went and looked it up. Uh at 24-7, we started assigning rankings based on the composite to classes in 2010. As of right now, the 2023 class is the highest rated class Texas, the, the, the most points, let me say, Texas has accumulated in a recruiting class based on that 24-7 sports scale. That was a 312.34 class. With Amari Nyblack, this is now a 300-point class for Texas in 2024. There have been five 300-point classes for Texas in this 24-7 sports era, 2010, 2012, 2018, 2023, and now 2024. Obviously, you can go through and look at all of those classes and say some of those you had some players that hit. There were some notable misses, but this class now, man, it is in – the elite stratosphere and we have to include transfers because the portal such a big part of talent acquisition now um even if you just look at the high school side of it if you just look at the high school side of it the 23 class uh is the second best class texas has recruited in this time frame but the 2024 class if you just include high school recruits it's 289.57 it's still a really high score it's number three i think overall right now uh, with a few weeks to go, and I don't know if Texas is going to add anything before the end of the cycle. Not, not, not anything that'll push that grade, that that score uh, to the three hundred range. But overall, Jordan, it's a hell of a it's a hell of a talent acquisition cycle for Sark, and it just builds on what we were talking about the other day, where you're not just adding bodies to add them in the portal. You're adding guys that can help you, and you're adding dudes that can help you that can really freaking play that are talented. Yeah. Yeah, no, by far uh, the most potent portal class they brought in for sure. Um, saw CB's comment. No, I'm not at Matt's right now. Uh, I actually got that text with someone outside the program um, and thought about throwing it up on the board, but I knew he was there and didn't want anyone to <laughs> get inspired and maybe pull up a Matt's Rancho. And it was funny. I, I got that text and I texted back like, that's kind of weird. I was told he's committing tonight. He's like, well, I don't know. He's here right now. <laughs> And I was like, okay, <laughs> got it. I guess I'll hold on to this. And I kind of forgot about it. Um, I was on the phone with Hudson a lot last night. Uh, Hudson Standish just chopping it up. Night Black commits. And I'm like, oh, Matt's, Matt's came through again. Uh, and it was funny. Rashad Samples, who actually used to work at Texas, commented under my tweet and is like, yep, never failed. So it <laughs> uh, seems like they've been uh, using Matt's as a recruiting tactic for a while now. So, uh, yeah, just real quick, Matt's El Rancho uh, factoid. Uh, Craig Way, Sark, and I were there on the same day, but within hours of each other. My wife and I went. We had just apparently, right when we were leaving, Sark was getting there. And right as Sark and Miss L'Oreal were leaving, Craig and his wife were getting there. So. That's the only time you'll hear me mentioned in the same sentence that I did something Steve Sarkeesian did, which surprise it's relating to food. But my wife and I had dinner right where Sark and Miss L'Oreal did. And then Craig and his wife went later that night. So nice. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, like Matt's Rancho is good. It's not as good as everyone thinks it is. It's still good. I know I'll probably get some hate for this, but <laughs> it's it's boosted. It's boosted. You know what I like at Matt's? I'll tell you I'll tell you what I dig at Matt's, and then we'll get back to talking Texas football. I love going to Matt's for lunch because you get the fajita, the fajita plate for lunch. It makes like two and a half fajitas. Like it's the perfect amount. It's not like the big huge plate of fajitas. Uh if I'm not going, though, if I go to Matt's, if I'm not going lunch fajitas, I'm going shrimp enchiladas, man. Got it. Got it. Um <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, th this is my thing. Like, 
Look, I'm obviously a white guy. When I walk into Tex-Mex restaurants and only see other white people, usually something t- kind of tells you. Um, and that's usually kind of what Matt's is, if I'm being honest. And it's usually hey. older white folks. <laughs> Somebody, um, someone who's half Hispanic, you know, my mom, that's my mom's side of the family. Um, my older brother and I have had this very conversation. And no joke for us, that's that's the barometer. You take a look around and be like, all right, this is, this is legit. Or I don't know. Yeah. Usually Mexican places like the dirtier the better, man. Like so I love Herberts and San Marcos. Like you walk in, you just like smell like, oh man, it's like years and years of like grease and government cheese. Like, yeah, this is yeah, this is gonna be some good eating right here. Yeah, it goes in <laughs> hot, comes out hot. But we're gonna take anyway. Uh back to the portal. No, with Nye Black, I feel like we talked about it almost ad nauseum, Jordan. What Sark wants to do with the tight ends. Like, if you can get a Jatavian Sanders, great, you'll take him. But in a in a normal world with your normal uh bodies that you have available, you have your inline guys and you have your your move guys. You know, it just you already had a small margin for error because the two move guys you have on your roster is are, are Juan Davis, who Juan really hadn't played a ton. And then Jordan Washington is a true freshman. Nye Black is a walk-in starter. So Juan Davis is still going to get some snaps, and you can bring Jordan Washington along steadily. You don't have to just throw him into the fire and hope he's ready. You can you can bring him along at a good pace. So I, I, I dig it for – we know how important a tight end is in Sark's offense. We know that he he's really got – I think with Gunnar Helm and Amari Nye Black, he's got – I think he's got a better version of what he had his last year at Alabama with Miller Forrestal and Jaleel Billingsley. I think I think Nyblack and Helm are better than as a tandem than Billingsley and Forrestal. I didn't watch enough of them, so I, I'm not sure. But I agree with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> you taking my word for it? I'll take yeah, that. I'll, I'll, I'll take your word for it, Jeff. I think I can trust you. Um, yeah, I guess before we get into junior day, we'll talk about the other uh, – Portal visitor from this weekend, uh, Jabbar Muhammad from Washington. Yeah, we didn't talk any Jabbar Muhammad yesterday. Yeah. Um, obviously, kind of like a little pit bull corner, 5'10". Probably not actually 5'10", but, you know, as we saw with Trey Hodges Tomlinson last year and Jabbar Muhammad this year, you know, size really doesn't matter at the end of the day. Um, Shout out to Quandre Diggs, too. Quandre, yeah. Quandre was listed at 5'10". I'm like. Yeah, like we're, we're playing football, not dressing up. And <laughs> it was gonna- funny. At check-in day, combine gravely disappointed when Quandre Quandre steps up to get measured. At check-in day for the All-American last week, Gabe is Gabe Brooks, who's main guy in charge of rankings for the South. It's like this is so stupid. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like you use this height and weight. Like this is, and he's like, no. Why are we making them take their shoes off? You football's never been played barefoot. And I was like, Gabe, I'm not about to fight you on this. Like, shut up. <laughs> but uh, hi- hype matters, though. Um, but, you know, when it comes to actual on-field performance, it doesn't. Uh, and that's why Jabbar Muhammad is one of the best corners in America. Um, and is, you know, right now the most sought-after DB not named Caleb Downs in the transfer portal. Uh, he has one year of eligibility left for, you know, he's out. So he actually was originally planning on coming back to Washington and DeBoer left and that was out the window and um, obviously was at Texas for a few days, uh, past few days. And then he's going to go see Alabama and then Oregon. Um, I actually, I, I didn't know this until last night, but actually um, had a source that went with him on the visit and is going with him on the other visits. So uh, we should have that covered. It's actually not someone in his family um, <laughs> before anyone. I don't know people always try to figure that out. Um but does, yeah, was like, a lot of your, people think it's Texas. To play? Does your source happen to play corner at Texas? No, 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 no. Uh, I I see a lot of people see Malik Muhammad's already on the roster, and uh, Billy Walton, his other cousins, also on the roster, close to home, and you know, assume Texas. But uh, Jabbar Muhammad has already been through two recruitments. Uh, originally, Oklahoma State out of high school, and then his portal recruitment last year to Washington, where he was pretty sought after. He's a vet to this process, and you have to realize, like, Jamar Muhammad isn't a kid anymore. He's like, this is a man, um, yeah. and he wants to make sure he's making the right decision, and he feels like he needs to take the other visits to make sure um, that he's making the right choice, and he sees everything. So 
until the Oregon visit is decided, I was told that's when we could see something happen from him is, you know, after he takes that last visit, which is Oregon visit. Um, and then he's going to mull things over and discuss it through and come up with something. There's obviously the chance that maybe he cancels those visits. Um, Silas Bolden, for example, I'm not going to lie. I felt better about Silas Bolden coming out of uh, his visit to Texas than I did Jabbar Muhammad's. Um, yeah. Because with Silas Bolden, he had those visits scheduled, but, you know, made it clear he was thinking about canceling them. I haven't got that vibe from Jabbar Muhammad's camp. It seems like they're pretty intent on taking those visits. And, uh, you know, I can't blame him. You only get this process once. He knows right. for sure this is his last time uh, in the recruiting process because, you know, he only has one year of eligibility. So, mm -hmm. We should see something. Uh, it, it's going to take a while. I believe his Oregon visit is actually scheduled to start the 26th. I need to double check the dates. Um, but need to, uh, yeah, again, need to double check it. But we, sh we should know something by the end of the month. Um, and again, like he feels like he can take his time. Uh, he really has until, what is it the 31st, the last day you can add a class? Uh, I believe so. I'm checking out. I'm pulling up the registrar right now trying to i believe it is the 31st of okay well you know what i actually have that that's actually on the site um i think i put that on the on the roster tracker on the scholarship tracker let me see here real quick uh i'll just have the 16th as the start of the spring semester so yeah just give me a sec jordan i'll pull it up here pretty quick no problem um yes here we go uh january 19th today is the last day to add a class without permission the 31st uh is the last day to add a class with approval so i would think jabbar muhammad would get special approval to add a class on january 31st if we want to come to texas i think maybe to to, to your point uh about feeling good about Silas Bolden on top, you know, better than Jabbar Muhammad. I, I think probably the the big factor is the traffic. And what I mean by traffic is how much traffic you have to work through to get a starting job for Silas Bolden. There's not much uh, at the very least. Silas Bolden probably walks in and is going to be your punt returner from day one, either him, he or, him or Jonte Cook. Uh, that should be a nice little battle throughout spring and, and throughout the fall. But with, uh, which Bar Muhammad, you know, Terrence Brooks is still there and has a full year under his belt, still has some developing to do. I, I'm by no means, I don't know why I have to keep saying this. I feel like everybody else has. I'm by no means ready to give up on Terrence Brooks as a player. Uh, Manny Muhammad is clearly ready to take a step forward. You still got Gavin Holmes, who's a really good depth piece for you. And then, but I think kind of like some of the other positions, uh, you know, adding Jabbar Muhammad, it, it puts you in a position to where if you have an injury, you don't have to just say, well, hope Kobe Black's ready to play boundary corner because we got no, we got nobody else to throw out there. We got to throw the kid out there. Uh, it just gives you a chance to, to really develop your young depth. And what I like about how they're building this roster, Jordan, we talk about them taking quality bodies, but I think the big deal is uh, here's what people I think need to remember. You don't have the initial counter limits anymore. So Sark has a pretty good idea of who's not going to be here after spring ball. He's not just taking these guys and planning on figuring out the rest later. Like there, there's a method to the madness. So I, I think he's done a masterful job in the last two cycles with no counter limits. And I'm, I'm pretty sure the NCAA has pretty much done away with counter limits. It's one of those rules that was meant to help the G5 schools so they can replenish their portal losses, but it's really benefiting everybody. And Texas is Texas is just playing by the same rules as everybody else. It's just the great thing about Nye Black and these receivers and you know getting Quinn a couple of years ago. Guys want to come play in this offense. Like Texas finally has an offense that they can sell to recruits, be it high school guys or the portal, and it's an offense they're really excited about because it's an offense that wins championships, it's an offense that puts up big numbers, and it's an offense that puts guys in the NFL. So all three of those things, man, you can produce, you can win, and you can go to the NFL. We always talk about it, Jordan. At the end of the day, when you talk to recruits, those are the three things they really want. Where can I show out? 
Where can I win a championship? Who's going to help me get to the league? Sark can do that on offense. This offense can get you there. And, and who can get me paid? And Texas can do that too. And and that the three have been my long pillars, but I need to add a fourth leg to that table now because, yes, the NIL bag is part of the equation now. It's, it's scary to think that, man, could this just be Texas football for the next five, six years? You know, where you, you're just doing this every offseason. Um, it, it's, it's, it's scary. It's kind of scary to think about, honestly, because you're, you're going to get to a point where you're, first of all, it, it shows you that this program is ready to, to go into the sec. They know what's needed to win in that league. Uh, but two, you'd have to go back to like the early two thousands to find the last time Texas on both sides of the ball was as stacked with talent as this team is going to be this year. Yeah. And with the way it's going next year, we probably say the same thing and say this yeah. is the most stacked team since the last year. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you can never have too many guys with Jabbar Muhammad. You know, adding him to the secondary would be awesome, obviously. Um, I think a part of it, too, is that Oregon or Alabama, it's like it's very evident that he's the guy of the mm-hmm. secondary of the defense and basically would be stepping into uh, like basically a captain's role. Um, just with what both of those teams are losing at those positions where he comes to Texas, you know, his cousin's there, but he still got to compete for playing time with Malik Muhammad, Terrence Brooks. Jade Barron, there's a very high chance he's actually not playing nickel next year. Um, that's for a later show. But they're going to have to figure that out. Like, only so many guys can be on the field at the same time. And if Jabbar Muhammad right now, like, he would have been a draftable player. He probably would have gone – fourth-ish round somewhere in there not sure but Mm -hmm. he he would have definitely been drafted yeah so him coming back for his final year it's obviously very important to him going to a place that can only boost his draft stock and from my point of view if you look at or or you if you try to put yourself in uh, Jabbar's shoes and look at it from who are the guys in each room Texas is probably the place that could hurt him the most draft stock wise. Cause he would stand out the least with the other dudes. And does that like, is this making sense? Um, he wouldn't stand out as much with all the other guys in the secondary at Texas. Like, no, he, you get what he, I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Because, okay, okay. because you've, you've done a really good job at stacking talent there. Um, you know, because to go back to something you mentioned earlier, um, Jabbar Muhammad, as good of a player and as good of an athlete as he is, he's not going to win a getting off the bus first contest with some of the other guys in that corner group. You know, like, I, I mean, I want Terrence, if I'm, if I'm Terry Joseph and I want my guys getting off the bus in order, I want Terrence Brooks and Manny Muhammad getting off that bus first. Yeah. I want you to look, I want you to look at my six foot, 200 pound rocked up corner. And then I want you to look at my six, one young cat. that has got arms going on for days. So, and then take a look at the rest of my guys. Kobe yeah. Black, Kobe Black's going to walk on campus, right? He's on campus right now. Kobe Black's going to be one of those guys that I think people look at me like, dude, like it. I always have this image. Like, I'm going to look at people are going to look at Texas the opposite way that I looked at USC. When you remember when Texas played USC in 2017 when they went out to the Coliseum? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they were ranked fourth in the country at the time. They were top five in the country. And that's Sam Darnold and, you know, that dudes that went in the first round. But I remember being on the field for warm-ups at the Coliseum and watching. I remember guys like Valus Jones played in the NFL and watching guys go through warm-ups, and I'm like, that's it. Like, this is this is what USC is. And on the hoof, USC didn't impress me at all. And I'm looking at Texas. I'm looking at the Texas players. I'm like, man, if you just line these guys up and just ask somebody that doesn't know anything about these two teams, line Who do you them think up and win? ask them who's going to win, yeah, you'd yeah. probably say Texas would win. And that's what I knew. Like, man, Texas has maybe they probably got a puncher's chance in this game, and they damn near pull it off. But we're gonna we're gonna say the opposite about Texas. We'll we'll feel about Texas honestly the way it's trending. How I felt about watching Georgia when I was down at the Sugar Bowl, wa- watching Georgia's guys get on the field, and it's like, oh my god, like, dude, hey, <laughs> Kirby Smart's got some dudes, man. Like these dudes look like NFL yeah. guys stepping onto the field. Some aliens out there. Yeah, like you take a look at like. uh you know, some of their offensive linemen and some of their DBs, it's like, damn, man, like, 
I hope I hope Tom Herman's got a good game plan because that looks like a scary bunch right there across that, the field. That's the thing. Like Texas has like giants like Cam Williams and like Connor Stroh walking around, but like they also have like aliens like Jelani McDonald, who averaged yeah. like twenty six in like high school basketball and like one of the best districts in Texas. Yeah. And has like a plus eight wingspan or some crazy shit. Like top to bottom, they're they're loaded. They uh they got an all lobby team for sure. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Um, and hey, I've I've been to enough, I've covered enough all American bowls and been to the Under Armour game twice. Um, I've seen enough of those all-star games where Texas has commits or signees there, and you're like, Yeah, Texas guys are leaving a little bit to be desired compared to some of these cats going to the SEC, the Big Ten, or or the Pac twelve. That's that's not gonna be the case. Especially mm-hmm. you know, it's funny when you think about it, and, and I will get off of this and, and let you finish out the show, the last half of the show talking about junior day. But Texas needed a guy like uh like AD Mitchell, considering how they're managing the portal, because it's really weird to think like what Kentucky basketball is for high school recruits. It's starting to feel like Texas football could be that for portal guys where Man, I can go. I can go to Texas and do what AD Mitchell did. I can go put up big numbers, improve my draft stock, and be there one year, and then go to the league and and I've maximized my value as a prospect. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's me overstating it, but that's that's damn sure how they're recruiting the portal this year. It is. It really is. Um, All right, Jordan. Let's get to it, man. Junior day. Word. Ricardo asked, best junior day list ever? Uh, it's the best recruiting event I've ever covered. And I've covered four. The January junior day last year. Uh, the March junior day, which whenever the overtime seven-on-seven seven tournament. That was kind of BS. Like, it was the overtime seven-on-seven seven tournament. And, like, Texas found out, like, five days before. And was like, hey, we're going to invite, like, over 100 kids to a recruiting event. And it was kind of like an open house type deal where like in yeah. between games, like the guys would come through and check it out. So mm-hmm. it was never like there's too many kids, but with how many out of state, because those tournaments are all out of state teams. Like not all these seven on seven teams have dudes. So it's like, you got to let a whole, you got to let 16 people visit. So Sark can sit down with one guy and talk to him. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, that's kind of what that junior day was. And then I covered Texas Elite Camp, which is always loaded. Uh, in June 3rd this year is actually the day KJ Lacey committed. That's how I remember it. Hank and I's third day on the job, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember that because it's like, hey, uh, hey, because I didn't know you. I knew Hank. I'm like, yeah. all right, you guys settled in. Great. Yeah, y'all got camp this weekend. Yeah. Go yeah. get after it. Yeah. Um, and then the fourth one was uh, the Texas Bash pool party in July, which I'm going to be honest, was like, that was all, all the Texas media market that was there was talking shit about the list the whole time because there was only like 20 kids there. And while like everyone was getting a bunch of 2024s on campus, Texas always uses that last weekend for 25s, mm-hmm. except like they didn't really have any of their top 2025 guys on campus. Yeah. All of them were at LSU or like Oklahoma. Or it, yeah, it, it was just weird how everything worked out. Yeah. And, that, and that's the other thing, like because you've got that limited summer window to do that. Yeah. Uh, right before so, the season starts. Yeah, kids, kids got to make a decision. I, I, I want to go to three places. I can't, I can't be in Baton Rouge, Austin, and Norman at the same time, or I can't be in Austin and College Station at the same time. I got to pick one. Yeah, the good thing is, so with this one specifically, tomorrow's Junior Day. The only Junior Day that I know of outside of Texas is it's tomorrow is Tennessee. Um, and actually, one of the visitors that's coming tomorrow, Jabari Antoine, who's the top priority at cornerback for the 2025 cycle. He's at uh, Westgate in New Iberia, where Derek Williams came from. His dad's actually the head coach of that program, and so he's seen Texas a ton because whenever Derek would visit Texas, who's usually the head coach of the program, taking him and Jabori down to Austin. Um, but Jabori was originally scheduled to be at Tennessee, and he switched his plans to be at Texas. Um, and the fact that Texas is the only school like in the state of Texas really doing their junior day this weekend is helping a lot. Um, I think with the season and the way the program's trending, kids would pick Texas over an AM junior day or an OU junior day, but mm-hmm. it does help that you don't even have to deal with that problem because AM and OU are both doing theirs next weekend on the 27th. So, all right, let's just go down the list. I want to go kind of the first 
piece we'll talk about is kind of a group, and then we'll go position by position. We'll go 25s, and then uh, and I'm just going off the list you posted on the site, Jordan. We'll go through 25s position by position, and then we'll finish it with 26 and 27. First group is the three Texas commits who are scheduled to be there. That's Deuce, uh, Deuce Williams, the linebacker out of Shadow Creek, Emory Winston, the tight end out of the state of Georgia, and then Brandon Brown, the defensive lineman from Florida. I would guess Brandon Brown of those three guys is probably the priority just because as of right now, when he steps on campus, Texas isn't going to have a D-line coach hired. Yeah. Um, so he's kind of – since the Bill Davis firing has been really hit or miss with contact, so there's also the chance he actually doesn't even show up, if I'm being yeah. completely honest. Uh, Deuce Williams, Emory Winston, on the other hand, we're fully expecting them there. Uh, it'll be both their first times on te- or at Texas as an actual commit, not just a yeah. recruit. Um, so interested to hear their feedback, kind of how it feels being on the different side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that's pretty much it for the commits. Uh, what do you think about real quick? What do you think about Deuce Williams as a prospect? I like him. I'm actually kind of who found him. I mean, he already had an offer whenever I saw him, but I was the first one to put a stamp on him and be like, no, this dude's a motherfucker. Um, <laughs> I like him a lot. I like him a lot. Um, he's six, three, one ninety five. Long as shit, probably six seven, six eight wingspan. Um, he can move. He can literally play any linebacker position, like any linebacker position. You can also yeah. you can put him on the line in a two point. Um, the high school level, he covers good enough to maybe be a big physical nickel. Uh, in college, he definitely won't be asked to do that though. Um, and also like with how his body is shaped right now, it's still early enough where if they if they really wanted to. They could kind of throw him in the Jelani McDonald position and use him even as a hybrid, maybe even as well. Um, mm-hmm. But that's really if it came to it. I, I do think at the end of the day, no matter what, he's a linebacker. Um, and he, he's a perfect modern-day linebacker because, yeah. like, Kendrick Blackshaw, we were talking about how Kendrick Blackshaw is really good for running downs, but you're fucked if you have to have him guard anyone, right? You have to take him yeah. out on third down. <clears throat> yeah. Deuce Williams is a guy who can stay on the field all three downs and then go be on your punt coverage team as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I, that's – I'm intrigued. Uh, uh, The two positions that I've long been extremely intrigued by the five tool tight end who can stay on the field, no matter the situation and the every down off ball linebacker who you never have to worry about him being a liability. I think those two things are really hard to find. Jordan would look at running back. we got Jordan Davison from modern day, Tiger riding from DeSoto, Riley Wormley from South Lake Carroll, Wesley Yarbrough from Crosby. You think Tashard Choice has his guy in in this group of four? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to wrap up Deuce Williams one second Go for before it. we get yeah. on the running back. So another it. thing I like about Deuce, his dad actually uh, played fullback at Baylor, and that was part of his first few conversations of him and his dad with Steve Sarkeesian uh, was because Sark and Baylor, or whenever his dad was at Baylor and Sark was at BYU, they actually played against each other, I think, in a bowl game or non-conference. Oh, did they really? Okay. So they they were talking about that, um, and Baylor was always a school he kind of had his eye on. But even though that's where his dad played, he grew up watching Texas and rooting for Texas, and he always knew that was kind of where he was going as long as, you know, they were going to recruit him. And they did and made him feel like a true priority, and he went ahead and shut it down. Um, the thing with him, that he's kind of like a – I don't really he, – he's going to need time. He, he He's not going to be an instant impact guy in his freshman year at Texas. Um, he He's going to be a guy who's going to need two, two-ish years, I think, at least, to develop, uh, kind of get his body under him again. Like, uh, he's 6'3", 195. He needs to put on more weight, and he needs to add more muscle mass. Um, and just looking at him, you can tell, like, his best days are, like, ahead of him for sure. Just cause His frame is – awesome for a linebacker and he has the right mindset too so as long as he stays dedicated and can come to practice and bust his ass every day for a year or two and you know he enjoys his time there he's gonna be a difference maker on the field eventually it's just it's gonna take some time to to cook the meal or to bake mm-hmm. the cake you know yeah so yeah but for running backs um yeah we got four coming this weekend in 2025 jordan davison uh deandre Ryden from desoto riley wormley wesley yarborough uh, Jordan Davison is the main man for 2025 for yeah. for Tashard Choice. Um, it was always kind of Davison and Harlan Berry. Harlan Berry went ahead and shut it down, uh, pledged to LSU a few weeks ago. That one's uh, pretty much over with. Um, 
dude, the you apartment need- complex I've been dealing with has finally called me. <laughs> of course, it's during the show. Yeah, you, yeah. Uh, you want to take that, Jordan? Nah, it's all good. I'll call them in 22 minutes. They okay. can, they can wait. <laughs> I've had to wait for them. They can wait for me. <laughs> I and you. I, they're the ones getting paid, not me. So they, they need me to call them. Yeah. Um, My, Jordan Davidson, by the way, number two ranked running back in the composite. Harlem Barry, number one. Yeah, and Jordan Davidson, uh, modern day. Another connection to modern day, obviously, last year, Texas pulled Brandon Baker from modern day the year before, Spencer Shannon, the tight end signing from modern day. Um, so Jordan Davison is definitely the number one guy now with with, uh, with Harlan Berry off the board. And kind of haven't watched a ton of film. The film that I have watched reminds me a lot of Jared Gibson, uh, where it's kind of just like get the ball and downhill, like yeah. right away. Um, that I think that's what Jared Gibson's best at. And uh, I think Tashar Choice has a lot of tendencies that where all of his running backs are different in a way, they all share kind of like similar underlying tendencies. And yeah. Yeah. with um, with Jared Gibson, like I remember going – when I went out and saw him in Nashville when I went out there in August, coming away, I'm like – him and Cedric Baxter are very different, but the way they take the handoff and it's literally just like forward, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, Jordan Davison has the same thing as well, where he gets the ball foot in the ground. I'm, I'm gone. Um, for the other running backs, uh, Deandre Ryden, he actually goes by tiger. So if y'all ever hear me call him tiger, that's like been his nickname since I, I did. And you went Deandre. I was like, was he not going by tiger anymore? But it's good to know. So, Oh no, I was, just, a lot of people don't know that. Um, so yeah, he goes by tiger. Uh, he's probably, you know how to say, I'd say probably second guy on the board somewhere in there. Um, he's kind of a do it all back. Uh, he, I wouldn't say he's necessarily elite at anything, but he's great at everything. If that makes yeah. sense. Um, he's actually a lot. I remember on our board uh, last year when people were talking about why Trey Wisner isn't playing as a senior when he's a Texas commit at DeSoto. <laughs> it was because Tiger Ryden as a sophomore was better than Trey Wisner as a senior, if I'm being completely yeah. honest. He was yeah. better. Um, and Trey Wisner's not bad. Trey, yeah, he's not Trey Wisner bad. can yeah. play. Yeah, it's just Tiger's – Good. He's that good. Um, the other guy is Riley Wormley. He's at South Lake Carroll. Uh, he was at South Lake Carroll this past year. He actually used to be at uh, Colleyville Heritage, where Max Crosby's from. Um, but Riley Wormley, it all, it's always seemed like Texas or OU for him, TCU as well. Um, depending on how it shakes out with other guys, I think it could come down to Texas OU for him. Uh, he's definitely – you know, lower on the board, he has offers from both schools and is getting recruited by both schools, visiting both schools. But, you know, again, Jordan Davison and Tiger are both ahead of him. So, you know, these visits are important even for guys like Wormley. Like, you you need to keep these guys happy and mm-hmm. prioritize in case, you know, it doesn't go the way you want. Uh, Wesley Yarborough, on the other hand, he's from Crosby. Uh, he doesn't have a Texas offer. I'm not expecting him to get one. I think it's maybe a favor. I'm not sure who he's coming with. Um, or if he's going there by himself, but uh, up to this point, he has like TCU, I don't know, UNC, a few other offers. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, in my, in my eyes, I, I saw him play this year versus Fort Ben Marshall. They got destroyed. He couldn't really do anything, but I've seen him at a few camps and other stuff as well. Just again, not not really a Texas talent in my eyes. Um, and on the receivers, we got a pretty big receiver group coming oh, oh, in. Yeah, before uh, we don't have time to get to all of these guys, yeah. but I, there's one guy I want to ask you about. Mm-hmm. Ed Small out of Anderson mm-hmm. committed to Texas to play baseball, but you see the film of him playing football. He's going to be a power, a power conference type recruit in football. Are, are we are we legitimately looking at Ed Small as maybe being like a legit two sport guy in college? Because I know I know he's really good at baseball, but you watch the football film and everybody's intrigued by him as a football player. Like, I know there are guys that have talked about it. There are guys that you say, okay, maybe he could do it. Ed Small seems like he's going to be a guy that's going to have a legit chance to do both. Yeah, I've actually – I got to meet Ed Small for the first time in person uh, a few weeks ago at the National Combine check-in. And I was like, man, big fan. Like, you're a legend in Austin. (laughs) Um, Just because, like, dude – he he's literally putting up better numbers than Jaden Greathouse did in district yeah. play. Well, Jaden didn't play as much as he did because he'd be taken out in like the third quarter. It's still impressive nonetheless. Um, Ed, Ed, Ed Small doesn't have near around him what Jaden Greathouse did either. That too. 
<laughs> and everyone knows the ball is going to Ed Small because there isn't shit around him. Where at Westlake, it's they have Keaton Quebec, Hunter Luke, other guys as well. By the way, um, Keaton Quebec is signed with Kansas. So, yeah, you have a, a, le- yeah. a legit power conference receiver on the other side of the field. Exactly. Um, but I, I like Ed Small. Do I think he's going to get offered this weekend? I'll be honest, I don't. Um, do I think he could be offered by Texas down the road? Probably not, but I would love for it to happen. Um, I think I honestly think he could play at Texas and is talented enough on the football field to actually make an impact uh, for Sark and uh, company. Um, main guys to know from this list of the receivers, uh, Kelshawn Johnson from Hitchcock. I don't want to – yeah, yeah, kid's awesome. Ed is awesome. I loved him. I also met his parents actually last weekend at the next little athlete camp I was at. Um, that, that whole family's great. Uh, for receivers that are important, uh, Kelshawn Johnson, Marcus Harris, Tanuk Hines, uh, Ja'Cory Watson, Manuel Choice. Yep, okay. So, Kelshawn is at Sark, Hitchcock. Sark was at Hitchcock yesterday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sark went out and saw um, Kelshawn at Hitchcock. Uh, yesterday was funny. <laughs> Kelshawn wasn't smiling in the picture, and I, I know Kelshawn pretty well. He's an awesome kid. Uh, yes, sir. No, sir. Like, very respectful. Um, this doesn't smile. Like, I'll take his headshot. So, yeah. all these fans are getting mad at him because he wasn't smiling next to Sark and everyone. Oh, he he's commented, not up the horns right. He's, he's, yeah. He and he, he commented, like, no, I like Texas. I just don't smile ever. <laughs> that was his – and I was like, oh. But, um, no, Kelshawn, uh, Penn State, Tennessee, even Texas Tech is in it for him. Um, He's a speedster track guy for sure. And, again, I never want to comp anyone to this guy, but if I was going to, if it's anyone in this class that reminds me of Xavier Worthy, it's Kelshawn Johnson. Um, They both have that wiry, super fast kind of track build, Mm -hmm. uh, almost kind of like the Devontae Smith build where it's just kind of skin and bones, but you're not catching their ass. Right. That's what Kelshawn Johnson is. Um, He's also 5'10", and, you know, like X is sinewy strong. Um, And he's been – incredibly productive at Hitchcock. They play at the 3A level and a real, they play the last two years. They've been playing in like a four or five team district. So they've been having to play mostly a non-district schedule. Yeah. Um. So not the greatest comp, but it, he's definitely, no. he, he's a game changer. For I college. see what you're talking about real quick. Uh, You know, there might be another guy that I'm missing, but um, the three guys that I can really think of in my time following Texas that the track the track speed was able to translate to the functional movement and play speed on the football field. Roy Williams, Jamal Charles, Xavier Worthy were the, are the three guys that like ran insane times in high school that were like legitimately like elite level fast, and the play speed on the football field matched up with the track time. Yeah, yeah. No, Kel Kelshawn Johnson can fly. Um, and while it is early for him, uh, you know, there are probably five or six schools standing out. Texas is one of them. Like I said, Penn state, Tennessee yeah. tech is very legit for him. Uh, his best friend is a quarterback at Hitchcock named Lloyd Jones. Who's actually committed to go play quarterback at tech in 2025. So, um, that is kind of a little, maybe Tech's one to watch there, but I think it's open enough where there isn't really a real leader at this point. Um, Marcus Harris from modern day. He's another modern day kid coming down for him. It's uh, Texas, Oregon, USC, Georgia, OU, Ohio State. Um, he, he's pretty much got everyone after him, uh, one of the top guys in the country. He's been to Texas uh, not as much as Jordan Davison has, um, and I don't feel as good about his recruitment that I do as Jordan Davison's. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you put a gun to my head and ask me to pick a school for Marcus Harris right now, I'd probably say Texas. Um Chris Jackson has him really high on the board and, you know, he's recruiting the hell out of him. Another thing that not a lot of people know, Chris Jackson actually went and played at modern day. Um, so he has that connection there as well. And uh, I mean, Marcus Harris, I believe this is his fourth time on campus since Chris Jackson's been hired third or fourth. Um, so he, he's making, he's making it a point to get to Austin, which is you want to see. Yeah. Let's uh, talk about these tight ends, Jordan. Yeah. Talk Sorry. about these tight ends, man. Yeah. Keati Armstrong and Nick Townsend. Both scheduled to be there. Uh, man, I, I can't think off the top of my head the last time the state produced two like legitimate top end tight ends like these two guys. Yeah. 
um, Keati Armstrong is – you put an NFL tight end body in like a lab, but the Keati Armstrong pops out. Um, how tall is he? I think 6'4", 240, I believe, is his height and weight usually. Or 6'6", 248, my bad. Uh, but he has a plus eight wingspan. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, athletic as hell. Awesome kid as well. For him, it's always kind of been AM, OU, Texas, and Bama, but it's been really fluid with who's actually been in front because the coaching changes and different things throughout the last 12 months. Um, nonetheless, Texas getting Ty Anthony Smith the last cycle, who also hails from Jasper, is really close to the Coyote. That's going to help them a lot. Um, AM did a great job whenever he visited AM this past weekend. They did a great job on that. And, you know, I had to lean one way or another. I'd say it's probably AM or OU really setting the pace in this one. He hasn't been to Texas in a long time, though, so I really think that could get flipped around this weekend. Jeff Banks and him are talking pretty regularly, um, and it's it's clear uh, that Kiati and um, Nick Townsend are, are the two guys outside Emory Winston that, that they would take. Um, Towns, on the other hand, not a ton is known about him. I really don't know who else is involved in his recruitment. Looking forward to finding out this weekend. I do know uh, he goes both ways for DeCaney. Some schools are recruiting him at D-line. Some schools are recruiting him at tight end. Some schools are just recruiting. I'm hoping to get him, and they'll figure it out when he gets there. Texas has told him they want him to play tight end, and they've even told him, like, they see some JT Sanders in him um, that, you know, I've kind of figured out that Jeff Banks is telling everyone they want them to be the next <laughs> right. JT Sanders, but was, um, they didn't. Yeah, they told Emory Winston that. Yeah, yeah and Jordan Washington that, and but but yeah. So those are the two guys for tight end. Uh, Bear Tenney he used to be a Lovejoy, uh, probably going to Michigan. Uh, if he wanted to go to Texas, I don't think he'd be a take at this point, to be honest. But used to be a Lovejoy. He's not a school in Utah. Uh, Keandre Johnson from Terrell. He only played D line this past year. Um, but we still have him listed as a tight end, so I listed him as a tight end on the list. I guess getting on to uh, offensive lineman, uh, the headliner is for sure Ty Haywood, uh, number two offensive lineman in the Lone Star State for 2025 behind uh, Michael Fasusi from Louisville. Um, Ty Haywood is actually from Mississippi, uh, 6'6'2 kid, so uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, they've always had kind of kind of a little cool place in his heart, but they haven't really prioritizing a ton. So for him right now, the three schools at the, the front of his recruitment is Oklahoma, Texas, and A&M in, in, in that order. Um, OU and Bill Biedenbaugh have done a great job of recruiting him. I've always kind of said, I feel like with Michael Vasusi and Ty Haywood being the two like A1 or 1A and 1B guys in the state, it's really hard to get both of them. I've always felt that I think Texas is going to get Fasusi, and I think OU is going to get Haywood, and they're going to split them just because, again, it's really hard to get both of them. Yeah. Um, but this is, this is like, uh, you know, Sark said the same thing in the 22 class. You know, Texas really wanted Cam Dewberry. Uh, they really wanted Kelvin Banks. And even though they were kind of different type positional guys, like we we knew we were, you know, we recruit, we recruit one or the other because we knew we weren't getting both. Yeah. So they they prioritize Kelvin Banks and then prioritize Cam Dewberry, and that's how that deal went. Yeah. So with Todd Haywood, I don't. While I do think they're going to end up getting split, I don't want to say like Texas is definitely not out of it for Haywood at all. Right. Um, he's only been able to take three visits so far, or visits to three different schools: Oklahoma, Texas Tech, TCU. This is his first time ever at Texas, so really interested to hear what he has to say about it. Um. Every time I talk to him, I ask him, you know, what do you think about the Den Ryan guys that are at Texas? And his eyes always light up. Um, that that really is important to him with uh, the success Anthony Hills had there and JT Sanders, even Austin Jordan as well. Another important thing that I never – I mean, I, I've been reading Texas recruiting info since I was in high school. Like, I, I'm a nerd yeah. about this shit, right? I've never seen anyone comment that the Den Ryan coaching staff has Alex De La Torre on it. But he, he's been coaching at Ryan for the last several years. Alex De La Torre, the old Texas fullback. Yeah, no, Alex De La Torre is not at Ryan anymore. He's at really. Uh, he's at Wiley East. What he was there last year, I thought. Is she not thinking about his dad? No, I'm pretty sure I saw him last year at the Ryan game. I was at. I may uh, be wrong. I don't know. We don't got a ton of time though, so <laughs> I guess we'll keep it moving. Hey, real quick, or, um, I figured out that tight end question we had the last time the state produced. Top level tight ends like like Nick Townsend and Keati Armstrong. How about 2019? 
We talk about injuries derailing a career, man. Baylor what, Cup. What, what would have happened to Baylor Cup's career had it not been for the injuries? Austin St- Baylor Cup was the number one tight end in our in-house rankings and the composite. Austin Stogner was a consensus top three guy. And then uh, Jalen Weidemeyer uh, was out of Dickinson, was uh, 14th in the composite in terms of tight end rankings. So those was, was three four-star tight ends that were – Baylor Cup still ended up being productive in college. It's just, you know – You'll never know how good he could have been had it not been for the injuries. Yeah. Um, so next for O-line, Lamont Rogers from Mesquite Horn. He's a number three offensive tackle, uh, pretty much on a consensus in the in the state of Texas behind Haywood and Fasusi. Uh, I think the gap between him and Haywood is a lot bigger than the gap between Haywood and Fasusi in terms of talent, if that makes sense. But I mean, he's still a top 100 player. He's a number nine, number 99 overall prospect. Um, he might actually not be at Texas weekend. He told me Tennessee or Texas a few days ago and has not given me an update since then. So I'll be checking back with him when, when we get off air, uh, really athletic prospect, kind of more of a developmental guy though, than anything. I think, um, he plays basketball with his team, kind of like how DJ Campbell did. And, uh, but obviously DJ Campbell is a five-star and is ready to play. He's going to need time. Lamont Rogers is more of a developmental guy. Um, if I think I lean towards the field versus Texas right now, if I'm being honest. Uh, I spoke to a source that told me um, already NIL is going to be very important in this recruitment, and usually when it's this early on for a developmental prospect, Texas usually starts going other ways, if I'm being completely honest. Um, another big name that a lot of people are going to like, Byron Washington, uh, the big boy from DeSoto, mm-hmm. 6'8", probably around 400 pounds. Um, I put in a crystal ball in the fall. Texas has been the leader in this one by miles for a long time since they offered at the end of July. Uh, he loves Kyle Flood. Kyle Flood loves him. He loves the big human aspect of it. Um, he li- he likes the success other past DeSoto players have had at Texas and also other guys that looked like him out of high school. Whether he, he, he admitted this over the record. He's like, you know, I know I'm not the best guy, but I know I'm big as hell. A lot of guys <laughs> like me. Out of high school, they're in similar shoes. They've gone to Texas and been really successful. That's something that sticks out to him as well. Yeah. Um, other guy, Jermod Odoms, he's uh, from Houston Lamar. He's our number 64 overall prospect for the 25 class. We have him listed as an offensive tackle. I saw him at a camp last weekend. He's a guard, uh, or he will be a guard at the next level. He's 6'4", lists himself at 305. He's really probably in the 270s just looking at him. Um I'm going to be honest. I was kind of disappointed in his performance. Uh, not Camps don't tell you a lot of stuff. They obviously have my pads on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, like, seeing how he's working out, you can tell no one's ever trained him or taught him how to work in these camps. For sure. Um, yeah. But just looking at him, the body type, he doesn't really fit the big humans mold that, that Kyle Flood kind of covets. So uh, do I expect him to get an offer? Not really. Um, but if he got on this weekend, I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the day. Um Connor Cardi from Prosper, he is a really good interior offensive line prospect, but he's not necessarily, like, huge like the guys Flood usually goes after. Mm-hmm. He picked up A&M and a few other big offers in the last week. Chance he could get Texas, but, again, he doesn't really fit what Kyle Flood usually goes after, so maybe not. Um, Jordan Coleman <laughs> on the so – the O-line group is really good, and they're in it for yeah. a lot of guys. Did you so. mention Jackson Christian from uh, – Yeah, yeah, he was, gonna, he was going to be next after Jordan Coleman. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do say that, Gringo. Uh, but Jordan Coleman, we have him listed as a guard or as a tackle. He's also going to be a guard at the next level. I really loved his performance. He's actually a lot better than I thought he was this past weekend. Um, nice. He was just putting dudes in the dirt that I didn't think he could do, to be honest. Uh, the thing with him, he is a triplet. He's one triplet who has a Texas Tech offer named Devin Coleman. The other one doesn't have any offers. Jordan, on the other hand, I think is around a dozen offers or somewhere in there. You know, y'all, y'all can kind of figure it out. Jordan is the best one. Um, Jordan has said on record it's very important to him that he gets to play with his brothers. So that that could be part of this recruitment as well. Uh, willing to see which colleges are willing to, I guess, take that gamble. Um, yeah. Jackson Christian, I've also I put in a crystal ball for him the same day I put one in for uh, Byron Washington. Texas has led. For a long time in this one, I do need to check back in with my source at PNG. Uh, AM came by and offered him earlier this week. Uh, you know, <laughs> the reason I, I say I want to check back in is because kids from Southeast Texas, you know, usually 
they trend to AM and College Station more than they do to Austin. Yeah. Uh, both his parents work in the refinery. You know, he's blue collar through and through. And again, they usually that kids like that go to AM, not Texas. Yeah. Guess on the, the D line. There's one finally, guy I want to start. I want to make sure we get to on the D line. Mm-hmm. Landon Rink is a Texas legacy. Mm-hmm. How much does the Bo Davis departure hurt with him? Uh, I, to be honest, I don't think it affects him. Um, okay. I still, I still think he's ending up at Texas no matter what. So, and this is is the, this is a recruitment where I would assume like the Texas staff probably learned their lesson with Colton Vosick. Like, hey, don't don't take these legacies for granted and give yourself more work in the fall than you need. Just if you want the kid, just get it done. Yeah. True. Um, so for D linemen, uh, headliners, I'd say Lance Jackson, Zion Williams, um, Chad Woodfork, Camorian Morgan, uh, Nasir Wyatt. Lance Jackson, uh, at this point in time, I think he's ending up at Texas, Arkansas, or Tennessee. I tend to lean Texas. Uh, I've been close to putting in a crystal ball for some time now, but you know, I wanted to talk to Lance coming out of this weekend and get a better read on it before I move on potentially doing that. Yeah. Um, but as it stands, I do think Texas is ultimately where Lance Jackson is going to end up. It's interesting because I, I remember you reported uh, that when Landon was coming out, I don't remember if it was his portal recruitment or his initial recruitment, that family really liked PK when PK was at Washington. Yeah, so it was when Landon was in high school. Uh, yeah. Washington was in his top five whenever PK was there, and they actually had an official visit scheduled to go out there. And then COVID hit, and that kind of went by the wayside. But uh, PK stayed in touch with the family, and I mean, he's been recruiting Lance since Lance was in middle school, effectively. So uh, that relationship is really the one carrying most of the water there. Uh, Zion Williams from Lufkin, uh, talked to him in November. He made a very clear Texas or TCU or is his two favorite schools, um, and he even mentioned to me that Texas is slightly ahead of TCU. A lot of that was because of Bo Davis, though. So we're gonna have to see, you know, how this is gonna go this weekend obviously they're still in the d-line coach so we really aren't getting the full answers we want yeah um, with the exception of the two guys we mentioned uh lance jackson and landon rink who obviously have different ties to texas yeah. that's gonna be the theme with that whole d-line group is yeah. what it, what were you told what does it sound like are you are you optimistic how do you feel about it right now yeah um but that one, we're just going to have to see afterwards. Uh, Floyd Giedry from Spring High is a guy they offered like right around signing day. And Hank and I talked to him at National Combine check-in and seemed things are moving very quickly. And Hank and I even had a conversation about potentially writing his commitment story because we think there was a chance he was going to pop this weekend. Right. Now with Bo Davis out, uh, yeah. could it happen? Maybe, but I doubt it. Um so that's kind of Floyd Guidry. The the edge rushers and Sear Wyatt from modern day, I mean, everyone in America is after him. Um, I'm not sure if he's even cut it to like a top 12 yet or top 10. Looking forward to chopping it up with him after. Uh, he's also, you know, like I said, at modern day, they're trying to keep that pipeline flowing, even on the defensive side of the ball. So excited to hear what he has to say afterwards. Well, if it, if it helps with Nasir Wyatt, the two coaches that were recruiting him at Alabama are no longer on staff at Alabama. So, Well, bang. Um, Holman Wiggins and Coleman Hustler, neither one of them is there anymore. Yeah, that's what we like to hear. Uh, Chad Woodfork at Humble Summer Creek. Uh, if you've been reading Horns 24-7, you should know the I've been saying for probably months now, Texas is the leader for, for Woodfork. I think their best position down the stretch as well. Their first big-time offer uh, came months before USC or Georgia did. He still has only had about 20 offers, and USC, Georgia, Texas are really is only like three, I would say, like major powers or blue bloods. He's going to get more. Um, a lot of I've had a lot of questions about him. He doesn't have great production. He only had three sacks this past year and is an edge rusher. But the thing with him, he tests like a wide receiver does. Um, yeah. Like Zena Yumazulu, a lot of people like to rag on Zena. Did he put up a ton of numbers? No, but he tested great. What yeah. if I told you that Woodford tests better than Zena at literally every single metric? Yeah, man. This, so, and, and the great thing about with Zena, he's, you know, with Trey Moore and Colin Simmons in front of him, you don't really need him to play this year. You can exactly see what you can get out of that prospect. See if you can turn that prospect into a player. Exactly. Um, so Wood Fork is going to be important. The thing with him, too, I forgot to mention. Every time I've gone out to see him, I've double checked this with him because it was always just really weird to me. But Texas had Bo Davis as his primary recruiter. 
So mm-hmm. they're going to need to talk with him this weekend, and or maybe they've already talked to him over the phone about it, I assume. Yeah, so. it's probably because that's Bo's area, like North North Houston and like east of 45. Like Bo had North Shore because yeah. he's got ties there. So it was, it was probably just it was Bo's area. Yeah, so uh, he's going to need a new primary recruiter. They're going to have to figure that out. Uh, Camorian Morgan is another edge from Red Oak. Um, top 100 guy, uh, Texas, SMU, Georgia. Those are the main three right now, uh, according to a source close to him. Um, a lot of people are going to scoff at SMU next to Texas or Georgia. They're very legit for Camorian. Uh, they're also legit for Elijah Barnes as well. Um, they're, SMU is really trying to turn this thing around, and they're putting a lot of money into this program. They're going to be aggressive with guys that are you know in their territory like Camorian Morgan and Elijah Barnes. They're not going to go down without a fight. So uh, Camorian Morgan getting back to campus is important. He hasn't been back to campus since, I believe, the elite camp in June, which was his first time there, uh, I think. Um, there's other guys that school with Texas offers Taz Williams, Braden Robinson. If I'm being honest, Camorian Morgan is the, the highest priority of them all. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he is an SEC D lineman, a true SEC D lineman. Yeah. And he, he's really just starting to put it together. He can finish a lot higher than his ranking is as well. Um, for linebackers, Riley Pettijohn and Bo Barnes from Skyline are the main two. Bo Barnes and Elijah Barnes are the same person. He goes by Bo in person. So, um, Pettijohn from McKinney, I think Texas is best position to land him down the stretch. Even after Jeff Choate left, I still felt the same. I think just at everything they'd done up to that point, uh, they weren't really going to lose a ton of momentum in the recruitment. Um, it's kind of funny for Pettijohn and Bo Barnes. My read for both of them is that Texas is the leader and that it's actually Florida State who's in second place for both of them. Uh, Florida State has just done a really, really good job of recruiting both of those guys. Um, Florida was also involved for both of them at one point, but that's kind of out the window when they tore their staff apart. Um, (laughs) USC was also in it for Pettijohn, but he told me that before they cleaned house there as well. So there's a lot of fluidity in his recruitment. There's a lot of fluidity in Elijah Barnes. Ultimately, I feel better about Elijah Barnes' chances of of ending up at Texas, but I still think Pettijohn – uh, gun to my head, I think Pettijohn ends up Tex- ends up at Texas. It's been a minute since Texas got a kid from Skyline. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, corners. By the way, Peter Jenkins is on staff at Skyline now. If anybody he's, didn't know that. Yeah, every time I write about Bo Barnes, I write about that. He's actually the linebackers coach and is Bo's position coach. So, looking forward to getting out there in the spring and chopping up with those two guys again. Um, for corner, uh, Kobe Sellers, Jabori Antoine. Caleb Chester, those are the guys that have been offered. Three guys that haven't been offered are Swade Griffin, who's Michael Griffin or uh, Cedric Griffin's son. Cedric, uh, yeah. Cade Phillips and Zay Gentry. Um, honestly, I think Cade Phillips and Zay Gentry could both leave without offers. Uh, it's a weaker in-state defensive back class. They're going to need to offer more guys. Mm-hmm. As much as I like Swade Griffin, I'm effectively who actually found him. Um, don't think he's a Texas guy, to be honest. I think he could be. He has a lot of potential, but as it stands right now, I don't really see it. Um, Kobe Sellers is actually a heavy lean towards OU right now, even though he's at Shadow Creek with Deuce Williams, and they're they're a pretty tight-knit group of kids over there. He's, he's leaning towards OU. There's several crystal balls in. Uh, if you had to ask me, that's where I think he ends up. Um, mm-hmm. But I know Texas really, really does want him, so – they're going to do what they can this weekend to maybe flip that momentum because um, Texas at one point was a leader for him. So, I mean, it's kids. Stuff changes, obviously, but it's always fluid. Jabari Antoine, he's probably the number one corner target, I'd say, at least in my opinion. I think he is. Uh, talked about him earlier. He hails from uh, New Iberia, Westgate, where Derek Williams came from. His dad's the head coach. For him, LSU, Tennessee, OU, Georgia, Texas, those are the main ones. He's been to Texas – close to 10 times or a dozen times at this point, which I think is more than he's seen any other school. You have to like that a lot, and you have to like that he keeps coming back, and it's not because they're taking Derek Williams on recruiting trips anymore. They're going for themselves. So right. that's important. Um, then on safety, uh, Jonah Williams, Galveston Ball, I have him listed as a safety. He's a five-star athlete. We have him, had, we have him as a linebacker. Um, our scouting team, te- real quick, I don't think Texas has had a Galveston ball kid on the roster since Casey Hampton, unless I'm forgetting somebody. So, no, I, I think you are correct. Uh, for Galveston ball and, and Jonah Williams, um, he prefers to go both ways at the next level. Is anyone going to let him do that? I doubt it. They might. If he has to pick one position, he prefers safety. Texas used to recruit him at linebacker, 
24-7 has had him listed as a linebacker because their scouting team ultimately believes his highest ceiling is that linebacker like they do safety for Kobe yeah. Black. Um, but after Jeff Choate uh, left for Nevada, I actually was speaking to a source near Jonah, and they told me that Texas is now recruiting him to play safety. And now uh, Gideon and Terry Joseph, all those guys are involved with him as well. Um, he's arguably the highest ranked – I think he is the highest ranked guy on the list or one of them for sure. Um, Demetrius Brisbane from Tyler Chapel Hill. We have him listed as an athlete. He plays quarterback at the high school level, but he's getting recruited to play safety. Currently committed to SMU. A big part of him committing to SMU, though, was Keenan Hall, who was uh, either his primary or secondary recruiter. Keenan Hall was the old SMU running backs coach who's now coaching running backs at Baylor. So Demetrius Brisbane potentially flipping to Baylor is very real. Sal uh, Reyes is a maybe. He's another guy that has a tech. He's the only other – Safety besides Jonah Williams and Demetrius Brisbane that's in-state that has a Texas offer. Mm-hmm. Um, so Reyes, his half-brother's Antonio Johnson from AM, and he has a cousin on the OU roster. So I don't think Texas, but that one has a long way to go. I also think they have guys on the board higher than him. Yeah. Um, and then the other safeties on here are guys I honestly don't think will get offers. The only one that I think has a shot is Jaden Sanders, the kid from Kilgore. Michael Terry, the athlete from Alamo Heights, he is listed as athlete. I have no idea what Texas is recruiting him at. <laughs> so I was going to ask, have, like, what, it, what is he right now? He, he doesn't have an offer from Texas. He also, even though he's like our number 40-something player, he's missing a lot of big-time offers like UT A&M. I get asked – I forget the dude's name on a board. He asked me like once a week why Texas hasn't offered him. <laughs> to be honest, I still don't know. Um I loved him a lot when I went and saw him play. The problem is he played like eight different positions, and after watching yeah. him, I'm like, I have no idea what the hell he is at the next level. I don't know. I don't know what he is. And he's six three, big and fast and strong, but it's like, what position is he going to play? And I think that's a big part of why a lot of schools have been hesitant to pull the trigger. But maybe we could see him pull the trigger this weekend. So there's your junior yeah. day rundown. Uh, that was only twenty five. Obviously, I know we don't have time for the other guys, but yeah, but twenty four. We got twenty six is coming in. Twenty seven is coming in. Uh, you can get over to Horns 24-7. We got the full list over there of the expected visitors. Jordan, you and Hank are gonna be hanging out on campus well pretty much all day tomorrow, right? Yeah, it's it's gonna be cold. It's gonna be cold, but uh usually the routine is get them walking in and then go to pluckers or something like that, post up an hour or two, and then whenever they start coming out, go back. And uh yeah. So we got a basketball game tomorrow, so parking around campus is going to be a month. Oh, no, it'll be easy. <laughs> what? I actually did not even know that. Oh, BK has a little faith that. in the basketball program at this point. What time are they playing? Because I remember Mike telling me that uh, he it's went and 11, saw. It's an 11 a.m. game. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Can you have like kegs it. and eggs for basketball? Uh, you're going to need kegs. Yeah. I don't know. Do they sell eggs at the Moody Center? Is that one of their happy hour items before tip-off, Jeff? I don't know, BK. There's a lot of highfalutin stuff going on at Moody Center that I, just, I don't know. I don't want any part of. I don't want to know more about it. Um, okay. you know. Would I be able to park at, like, Manor Garage at, like, 8 and pay, like, the regular uh, fee, or do I, am I going to need a pass for the day? Uh, Yeah, you're probably going to need a pass. Game. Yeah, you probably need a pass. Uh-huh. Damn Russians. Yep, the communists are at it again. Just, just go park on, uh, what is it, Trinity or San Jacinto that runs past the stadium on the west side? All that parking is open on Saturday, isn't it? Uh, there's some metered parking over there, yeah. And you've got metered parking. Uh, you might have to walk a little bit, but there's metered yeah, parking. Yeah, yeah. You always yeah. got to pay down there, but usually it's, library. usually it's we'll park at Manor and just walk across the street yeah. to Moncrief, and it's right there. It's super easy. Um. Damn, thanks for letting me know about the basketball game because I would have pulled up like it was <laughs> not hey, a thing and been like, what the hell's going on? You haven't you haven't uh you haven't really been a part of UT either as a student, somebody who conducts business there like I do, until you've had a run in with parking transportation services. So yeah. yeah. UT made they let you graduate from that place. How, how how you probably got to know the parking transportation services folks pretty well. I didn't go to campus, so no, I didn't actually. That's uh, I feel like a big requirement to meet people on campus is to actually go to campus. So, I uh, I'm one of the few who never had a run in with UT parking, but uh, just about everybody 
in our line of work. And like you said, Jeff, everybody who's been a student has had some sort of issue with those folk at some point in their life. Look, man, when, when I found out that they gave Mac Brown a ticket he couldn't get out of, I'm like, the hell chance do the rest of us have? We're all mm. screwed. Probably didn't get that guy fired after something like that. That's a true story, though. Mac apparently uh, drove Sally's car. I guess his vehicle was in the shop for getting maintenance, and he drove Sally's car, didn't have the right tag on it, and <laughs> gave him a ticket. God, no one is safe. I've I've driven past Moncrief before, and I've seen Sarks like uh, – Lamborghini Urus, like parked right outside the front doors on the sidewalk. And I know oh. it's Sarks because I've asked someone else whose car is that, and they've said it's Sarks. Well, when you're driving the Lambo, you're just daring somebody to give you a ticket. Like, please. That's fucking please. bullshit. He should get a ticket for that. <laughs> well, it depends yeah. on how the team's playing. If the team's playing well, two years ago, five and seven season, throw that at, throw, you know, throw him in jail. But <laughs> yeah. last year, all good. He can park wherever he wants. No, I don't care if he wins a national championship. Don't point. Uh, don't park like an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Now I, he it was it was kind of off to the side. I'll I'll take a picture where he usually where I usually see his car at. Okay. Trey BK, have a great show. Everybody have a great weekend, and uh, I'll be back to do it on Monday. Uh, make sure you follow Jordan and Hank at Horns twenty four seven. They'll have all the Junior Day stuff for you this weekend. Yes, indeed. Sir, Appreciate I'll you guys. See you, see you guys. Yes, sir.